Well, one of my uh, first memories of Christmas uh, is from when I was uh, probably about five or six years old. And uh, there was a tradition in my family to decorate the Christmas tree. My sister and I and my mum, sometime during the day, the tree would arrive and mum would be like, oh, it's time to decorate the tree. And so it would be a really exciting event because it meant that Christmas was finally here. This thing that I've been waiting for since like the end of last Christmas has finally arrived again and Christmas has begun. So it was really exciting. There was one year when uh, I was down at my next door neighbor's house and uh, my mum probably called and said it was time to decorate the tree. So my sister and I, and then my two neighbors also got to join in. And so we left their house, we ran down the driveway and then we turned the corner and then we ran up my driveway and we were running in towards the house and my next door neighbor uh, he was coming through the front gate, and just as he came through the front gate, he tripped. And then as he tripped, he, he connected uh, with the latch on the front gate, and his, with his forehead just hit the latch, and then like cut it open, and then there was blood and screaming and tears. And that was pretty exciting. Uh, and it kind of feels a little bit like a, a metaphor for what Christmas is. Like at first, when you're a kid, it's all excitement. By the time you get to our age, it feels just like blood and screaming. So, you know, the reason why sometimes we feel like Christmas is so difficult, I think, is because we have all these kind of desires that we want. We want Christmas to be great. We want Christmas to be amazing. But there's just all this pressure that Christmas has to be, you know, has to be the best. It's got to be. It's got to be what you, your memories of it were, or what the memories you want to create for your kids. There's, there's all this stress surrounding Christmas, and uh, so we're going to look look at that over the next two weeks. And I think we can kind of uh, make this, have a look at the stress in Christmas, and it, I think we can look at it in two ways. I think some of the stress uh, comes from identity, and some of it comes from hope. That comes from or false identity and false hope. So we're going to look at these things. And uh, hopefully, as we talk about it, you agree with me. If you don't, then uh, that's fine. But if you know, it makes no sense to you at all, it's like, that's not my experience of Christmas at all, then have a nap. That's fine. But hopefully, as we talk about it, you're like, yeah, I think actually that works. So today, we're talking about identity. And uh, if I can explain this to you in a few ways that hopefully will make sense, um, when we think about it, I think some of the things that go on are that we have all these expectations on us and expectations that other people have of us. And the reason why we kind of give in to them and get stressed at Christmas is because we want, we want to live up to the identity that we have of ourselves and that other people have of us. So let's uh, think about some hypothetical people. Uh, let's, uh, the first person, let's call him Chris. Say, Chris, Chris is stressed about money because Chris has got to Christmas and he and his wife this year, they decided that Christmas, was, they're going to do better this year. And so they're like, we're going to stick to budget. We're not going to spend as much as last time. And now he's looking at his, his phone app and he's seeing how much he owes on his credit card. And it's a lot more than he wanted it to be because these, all the things have kind of conspired together. So they've just spent way too much money because they've had to buy presents for people and they've, they wanted to stay under budget. But when they stay under budget, those presents were probably just too stingy. So they went over so they could be a bit more generous. And then there were those people who gave them presents who they weren't planning to give presents to. You know, those annoying people. So they had to buy them presents so they didn't you know, look like people who weren't 
present returners. And then there was all the money they had to spend on buying food at Christmas to buy food for the people who were coming over and to buy food for the events they were going to. And then there's just paying for the extra events that there are. And then there's the fact that their holidays are coming up after Christmas. And that's a whole lot more money. And so he was distressed because there's so much money to spend at Christmas and things are not working out the way he wants it to. Well, then let's go with our second hypothetical person. We'll call her Haley. Haley is stressed because she has just got too much on at Christmas because there's all the events leading up to Christmas and then there's the events actually of Christmas and she's looking at all the things she's got to do. That She's got Christmas Eve with her family and she's got to go there and then she's got to you know, hang out with all her family there and be nice and happy, but then she knows she's got to run off to go to her traditional you know, midnight Christmas service that you know everyone goes to and she's always done it, so she's got to get to that. But then she's got Christmas church on Sunday morning with her family again and she's got to do that because that's traditional and then there's one side of the family at Christmas lunch and then she's got to race off to go to Christmas dinner with her friends because they do that every year and then there's Boxing Day and she's got to go to the other side of the family on Boxing Day and she doesn't want to not go to any of it because she knows that people will judge her for not being there and so she's got I just got to go to all of it and be at everything and just suck it up and so she's stressed because she's got so much to do. And then let's go with our last person, we'll call him Alex. And Alex is stressed because he knows that whenever he goes to Christmas, he reverts back to his traditional kind of role within the family, and that's being an annoying 15-year-old guy. Even though he's like in his mid-30s, whenever he's with his family, he just behaves like he's 15 again, and everyone treats him like that. And his, his mum talks down to him and his sister is, you know, sniping at him and everyone just sits back into their roles and annoys each other. And he's stressed because he doesn't want to go back there and do that and become that person that he, he want, doesn't want to be. And so he's stressed too. There's so much stress about Christmas. And I think all these things, the root cause of them is in identity. Because Chris is stressed about money because his identity is found in being the kind of person that he wants to be or the person that people expect him to be. He wants to be a generous person. He wants to be seen as someone who doesn't skimp on things. He's seen as a person who you know, does whatever is necessary to give people the right Christmas, to give them the right impression of who he is. His identity is, is trying to buy his identity with his money. And so he spends too much money at Christmas because he's not secure in who he is. And then you have Haley. She's, she's stressed because her identity is that she does what everyone wants her to do. That everyone wants her to be at this event and this event and this event. And she just says yes to all of it because she wants to keep everyone happy. And she's afraid of what they will think of her, whether they will or won't you know, judge her for being at every event or not being at every event. She does it anyway because she wants to be the kind of person who just fits in and doesn't upset anyone. And then Alex is stressed because... He doesn't quite know who he is, or he knows who he wants to be, but he, he, he just reverts back to the person that he, he used to be. So his stress is also in his identity. And so if we want to get through Christmas and sort out our identity well, and in fact this kind of, we can apply it beyond Christmas, then we've got to have a look at what the Bible has to say. And so we've got this passage, which we read, which obviously is not a Christmas passage. But then again, there aren't actually any Christmas passages in the Bible. And I know that, you know, there are, you know, passages about the Incarnation, and there are passages about, like, you know, Jesus' birth, but there are no passages about, like, our Christmas. There are no passages about trees, or passages about, 
Santa or passages about presents or passages about your drunk uncle and there's not passages about having to have a nap after Christmas lunch. Like our Christmas, we don't get passages about that in the Bible, but at least we have this passage in Colossians, which is a passage which can talk to us about identity. And so what's going on in this passage is you've got Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and uh, there are some people who have been uh, teaching them Uh, coming in and talking to them about how they should go back to not just worshipping Jesus, but keeping in the old uh, Jewish traditions. There seems to be some kind of mystical Jewish thing going on here. Because not only are they being encouraged to uh, do the religious festivals and have the new moon celebration and the Sabbath, they're also being encouraged to uh, worship angels as well. So there's something, we don't even know exactly what is being taught in Colossae, but there's some kind of mystical Jewish thing happening there. And uh, they're being pressured to say that you need to worship Jesus, but not just Jesus. You've got to make sure you do all the right things, that you attend the right festivals, that you, you, you obey the right rules, that you don't eat these things and you do drink those things and you do pray these prayers, that you fit into all the expectations that have you as well as worshipping Jesus. And Paul is saying uh, that these things that they do, these extra things, the extra rules and the extra... Uh, celebrations that they have that all these things that were from uh, the old way of doing things the old covenant they are just a shadow of the things that are to come the reality he says is found in Jesus so now that Jesus is here we hold on to our relationship with him and all those other things are just a shadow they're they're a shadow compared to Jesus so we hold on to him and when when we have him then we can figure out who we are and he's talking about how because you've been, you've died with Christ, then this is how you respond to the world. And because you've been raised with Christ, then this is how you respond to the world. Because you'll put your trust in Jesus and because he has made you a new person, then this is how you respond to the world. And so for us, as we kind of deal with who we are and try and take hold of our identity, then we need to know who we are in Jesus. So then we can respond well to all the external pressures that we have. Now, I'm not saying that we treat Christmas like it's, particularly like it's religious. Like it's, I mean, it is religious, but not like we're saying like, you've got to worship Jesus and make sure you eat your Christmas pudding just right, and then you will get into heaven. That's not quite what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that there are these expectations that we have at Christmas, and we can, if we don't know who we are in Jesus, then we can give in to them. And we can be the kind of people that we don't want to be, or be the kind of people that we aren't created to be, because we, have, we let all the external pressures make us into these people we don't want to be. So, what are the, I've got two, two principles for us. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the baby Jesus because Christmas. So, the first one is, and this is probably pretty obvious, is that you need to know who you are. That if you want to be able to respond well to everything else that's going on, you've got to know who you are. Because there are, there are so many different opportunities for you to just kind of give in to everyone else and all the expectations you have and other people have. So Christmas, at Christmas time, sometimes, you know, everyone has this idea of what a good Christmas person is. When I was a single guy, I thought I was pretty good at Christmas because I would, like, I would buy presents for people and I would, I mean, they'd be cheap presents, but they'd be presents. Like, if I spent, like, 15 bucks on someone and it looked like I'd spent 30, I'd be like, yes. 
I definitely have one. And then I would maybe put on one Christmas album. I'd be like, yeah, getting into the holiday spirit. And then I would buy like some pre-made eggnog and drink it. And I'd be like, yeah, festive. And then I'd turn up to all the events. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely like pretty much Buddy the Elf from Elf. Like that's, that's me. I've got it all sorted. But then I got married. And Emily is actually, turns out, better at Christmas than I am. And she was like, oh, we've got to get a tree. I was like, a tree? Why do we need a Christmas tree? That's dumb. And she's like, no, we need a tree. And I was like, I thought trees were just for kids. Like, you've got to have a tree and put presents under it. Like, we're both adults. We know you don't need trees. Like, we need a tree. And I was like, all right, we can compromise. We will get like a, we'll get a plastic tree. It's like, it's got to be a real tree. It's like, all right, fine. And so we went and got ourselves a real tree and it's got lights on it and it's got, you know, decorations. And, and then Emily, like, wants to spend actual real money on presents that she doesn't want to just get away with giving someone like a gift voucher they got for free. And like, she's, she wants to spend money on presents and wrap them nicely. And so now I'm much better at Christmas. I've got a real tree, I spend money on presents, and we wrap them nicely. But you know, that is nothing compared to like some people who just go overboard. At my last church, there was a woman there who loved Christmas so much, she had two trees. She had a fake tree and a real tree because the fake tree can last all year and the real tree will die at some point. She also was in charge of like this, the church carols. And so every year she would start working on the church carols in January. And then they would, and then they would start like practicing in July. And then we would see them all year planning like the set design and making rearrangements at Christmas. And then she'd run like a special Christmas dinner for everyone. But even she, you can go further than that. You can put up like 3 million lights around your house. You can, you can make sure that you get Santa like tattooed on your back like you can do you can do so much you can keep going there is no end to how festive you can get at Christmas time and so the question is how far are you going to go at what point do you say you're Christmassy enough at what point you're like yeah I am there I have made it I am the perfect Christmas person there isn't a point there's no point you can get to where you're at the perfect place on Christmas so how do you know what is the perfect response at Christmas how do you know what is for you the right thing to be doing at Christmas? How do you make sure that your Christmas is actually about you responding to who you are in Jesus and not responding to everyone else's expectations or your thoughts or your stress about being the right kind of person at Christmas? Well, you've got to know who you are. And you've got to know that who you are at Christmas is the same person as who you are the rest of the year. And who you are the rest of the year is defined not by other people and not by yourself, but by Jesus. The fact that there is Jesus and he came and he lived and he died and he rose again for you and you are right with God no matter what happens, no matter what other people think of you and no matter what you think of yourself. And so you can buy people the worst presents ever and it won't make a difference to who you are in Jesus. And you could be the person who only stands, only turns up to one Christmas event and you're grumpy the whole time and it won't make a difference to who you are in Jesus. And you could be the person who goes home to your family and says nothing to any of them and it won't make a difference to who you are in Jesus. Or you could be perfect and lovely to everyone and it won't make a difference to who you are in Jesus because Jesus makes you who you are because of what he has done for you. Not because of what you do or what other people think of you. And so you can then say, well, if that doesn't change, then the stress doesn't need to affect me as much. I don't need to get so stressed because I am who I am in Jesus. And it doesn't matter what other people think of me or what I think of myself. 
And so if you are stressed about presents, then think about, actually, what is the difference is going to happen if you buy the worst presents ever? Like, you know what it's like when you get a bad present. You're like, well, open it up, and say you get a bad gift. You open it up, and then you pull it out, and your voice goes very high, and you go, oh, I'll wear this, which means you're never wearing it again. And you're never like, you're just going to put it away and you're going to forget about it. And what do you think of those people who gave you those presents? You might judge them a little bit, but you forget about it pretty quickly. You don't care that much if you get a bad present. Like Gumtree did a, like a study and they've discovered that like 70% of people are disappointed with the presents they got at Christmas. And so chances are you're going to best be part of the 70% whether you try or not. So it doesn't matter that much. So how can you then change the way you do presents rather than trying to be the best and say, how can I love people with my present gift? How can I be the person I want to be with my present gift? And if you decide you're not going to go to every event, then maybe that will free you up to be more present with the events that you are at. Because it doesn't matter with other people's expectations. You go, how do I live out my identity in Jesus with these events? Or if you say, when you go back to your family, and if you say, look, I'm actually just not going to talk to people that much. I'm just going to serve as best I can. I'll do the washing up, and I'll make the food, and I'll just, you know, not rise to the bait that people give me, and I won't defend myself. Then it's not going to matter, because you'll still be who you are in Jesus. So know who you are, and who Jesus made you to be. That you died with Jesus, you rose again with Him, that your life is hidden with Him, and the rest of it can fall into place after that. Uh, the second thing that I think we can, the second principle is that uh, only God can judge me. So Tupac had his song, Only God Can Judge Me, which I have never listened to until I saw it in a film the other day. I was like, oh yeah, that's Tupac. And uh, I think the way that he means it when he says, Only God Can Judge Me, is that he is saying that, you know, you don't know my life, and I will do what I want. You don't get to judge me, only God can judge me. And sometimes you might use the phrase, I know I've used the phrase in that, you know, you don't get to tell me what to do. Only God can judge me. So I will eat kebabs for breakfast if I want. Only God can judge me. Or I will wear tracky, tracky dacks out to dinner because only God can judge me. It's like, I will do what I want. But the way Paul would use it, I think, is a bit different. You notice in the passage, in verse 16, he says, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or what you drink or with regard to a religious festival. And then in verse 18, he says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. So we have other people who, who we think they are judging us. We have ourselves and we are judging us. But the truth is only God can judge us. And what that means is actually not that you can do what you want, but that if God judges you, then what are his expectations of you? What are God's expectations of you this Christmas? And God's expectation of you is that you live up to his law. And his law is love. Love for him and love for others. And so that has to change the way that we do Christmas. That's a whole new paradigm for understanding things. That God's view is that he wants us to be loving people at Christmas. And everything else can sometimes get in the way of that love. So there's a new way that we've got to look at things. We've got a new standard to judge things against. Uh, when I uh, was working uh, for a church uh, in Darlinghurst, uh, I was there working, I was pretty young, I think I was like 18 at the time, and I was there for like six weeks. It was at Christmas time, and my job was to uh, just work in the office. And they made me put together the, uh, the bulletin with all the, the lyrics for the carol service, 
And so my standard for, for this was like, all right, I need to get it done, and I need to get it done as quickly and easily as possible. That was my standard. So I was like, all right, I can do that. And so I was like, better than just you know, looking up some hymn book and then typing it all out. I was like, the internet will help. I can just go and cut and paste lyrics off the internet, and it'll all be there. So I went on the internet, and I cut and pasted a bunch of lyrics from, from different Carol's websites and put them in this bulletin, and then printed it out and sent it off. And then I went home for the weekend, and then they all went to sing these songs at Christmas time, and they were entirely wrong. It was like the carol service was uh, someone can check on that. Uh, the carol, the carol service was um, ruined because I had like doubled up verses and lost verses, and there was like verses that finished like halfway through and then started again, and and I, it was just all entirely wrong. And the poor old minister was embarrassed because. You know, no one could sing the songs at their carol service. They came back and told me, and I was embarrassed that I ruined their carol service. Because my standard was get it done easily. Everyone else's standards was be able to sing carols at the carol service. And so I needed to change the way I view things. I needed a new paradigm. It's like, it's not about me and me, you know, getting things done easily. It's about other people. And how do I serve other people at Christmas time? How do I love them in the work that I'm doing here in the office at Christmas? And the truth is that we need a whole new paradigm to the way we think about Christmas. And it's not about us. It's not about how you look to your family. It's not about how you look to your friends. It's not about how generous you seem. It's not about you know, whether you, you know, fit into your family or don't fit into your family. It's got to be about you, that you are someone who loves. Because you have a God who loved you and saved you in Jesus. And so how do you love at Christmas? How does your money reflect your love at Christmas? How does your time reflect your love at Christmas? How does the way you treat your family reflect your love at Christmas? And that should come out of who you are, as someone who is loved by Jesus, so you get to go and love others. Uh, lastly, uh, I want us just to think a little bit about the fact that when God came to us in Jesus, because when you look at Jesus, you see that he is the, the pre-incarnate before he became Jesus. When he was the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, he was the God who created the universe. The God who sustains everything. And he became a tiny little baby. You have to be pretty sure of who he was. Pretty sure of his identity as the God of the universe. That he wasn't going to spend his time growing as a man trying to justify himself to everyone and trying to prove to everyone that he was good enough, that he was happy just to say, I am God, I know who I am, and I will love the people around me, and I will serve the people around me. I will be humble. And he did that because he knew who he was. He knew his identity. And so if we know who we are, and we look at who Jesus is, and we want to say, Look, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow his humility. I'm going to follow his love. I'm going to follow his service. I'm going to say it doesn't matter who other people think of who I am. It matters who God has made me to be. And that is someone who is already loved, already saved. I am a son or daughter of God because of what Jesus has done for me. And I'll live in that this Christmas. Now, all this stuff is really big picture. And so I don't expect that you guys are going to go out of here today and be like, great, Christmas is solved. Like, if this changes your Christmas like 2%, then that's great. If, it's, if you get, have a 2% less stressful Christmas because you're thinking about your identity, then that's great. 
And then you just have to, you know, get me to preach this to you a hundred more times and then you'll be perfect. It'll be wonderful. That's not how it works. But I'm not expecting that it's going to sort everything out. But the more that we know who we are in Jesus, the more it will sort things out. The more we'll sort out our Christmas, the more we'll sort out our Easter, the more we'll sort out everything in between. Because knowing who we are in Jesus sets us free to live for him and to love other people. If you're someone who is not a Christian, then all this means for you is that you can have an identity that isn't based in yourself. And it isn't based in other people, but in based in what God has done for you in Jesus. You have to trust in the fact that God sent his son Jesus to live and die and rise again for you so that you might become part of his family. So if you're not a Christian, put your trust in him and get a rock-solid identity that doesn't change with everything else, that is set in heaven, it's hidden in Christ. And know who that he loves you. Put your trust in him. And if you are a Christian, then what all this means for you is that you just need to know Jesus. The more you know Jesus, the more you know that he, who he has made you to be, the free you are at Christmas to live for him and to love him. To not worry about everything else, but put him first, put love first, and everything else will fall into place. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Father God, I thank you uh, that you sent your son Jesus for us. That he is someone who is sure of who he was. He was someone who was humble enough to uh, become a, a baby. To not see equality with you as something to be grasped, but to take on the role of a servant. And become obedient to death for us. I pray that we will be uh, willing to look at him and to see you have made, who you have made us to be in him. And that we will be free this Christmas. Uh, to live in our identity in you and to love others because we know that you are our judge and no one else and that your judgment for us if we are in Jesus that we are righteous in him and so that we get to live in the freedom of just loving because you call us to love. Amen.